Welcome to the prolific teaching ministry of Pastor Emmanuel Iren, lead pastor of Celebration Church International. It is his vision to partner with you for your progress and joy in the faith. Ready, set, grow. How has this month been? I know this is just day nine, but how has it been? I want you to embrace all that God has for you with your spirit. I want you to be a sponge. Soak it all in. All right. Glory be to God. You may please be seated. Hallelujah. Tonight is a very special night. Like I said, I want you to be a sponge. Receive with your heart. Receive with your spirit. Turn your Bibles, Philippians 1.29. I said 29.25. I know you all know it, but there just might be one person, you know, who just joined this church and doesn't know this scripture. This scripture is a very important focus for our ministry and reminds us why we're here every time that we gather. Hallelujah. Philippians 1.29.25. If you're there, read together loud as you can. One, two, go. Come on, you re- you're reading like draw soup. Read together, one, two, go. It says, and being confident of this, I know that I shall remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith. And I can teach a thousand sermons from these, no exaggerations. But the conclusion is this. There has to be a curriculum for progress. You have to be systematic about the way you teach. And every ministry gift is saddled with the responsibility of perfecting what is lacking in the faith of people. So sometimes you are watching to see what is it that they are yet to understand? What is it that they are yet to walk in? And then you come in from the word of God to bring stability in those areas. It's so important. That's the definition of growth. So that what used to be a weakness or a deficiency yesterday is no more a weakness or a deficiency. That's growth. Say loud amen if you believe that. And that's what makes tonight very important. There is one important course of study in the school of spiritual discipleship. If you don't know what I am about to teach, you will be very limited in what you can do for God. That's how important. You see, every one of us who went to school, particularly in the university, we understand that not all courses have the same weights, have the same units. Do you understand what I'm saying? There are single unit courses, there are two unit courses, there are three unit courses. There are five unit courses. There are courses that if you fail, the consequences are grave. Isn't that true? If you fail three, three unit courses, you, start, you, are, doing, you are doing the level again. <laughs> Hallelujah. And what you're about to learn tonight is so important. You see, many people, as spectacular as their call is, spectacular as their assignment is, they keep fluctuating. 
in their devotional favor because of this one thing. Because sometimes they feel so powerful, so spiritual, so prophetic, so full of faith. And sometimes it just seems as if they woke up on the wrong side of the bed and God seems far away, you know, and they are wondering, you know, what is happening? What have I done again? You know, and it seems like they have this systematic process where they walk themselves mechanically to break through in the spirit. Listen, I know that there are times where that will be necessary. Special seasons of devotion. But God wants us to abide. Are you getting what I'm saying? And let me tell you this. As a Bible teacher, for the sake of teaching, especially when you have a church that has different people at different levels of maturity, there are some terminologies that we allow but are not exactly biblical. Terminologies like revival. Are you aware that even if the Bible talks about revival, it doesn't mean what we think it means? Do you know what revival is? Revival is salvation. When you were dead and you are brought back to life, that is revival. You have thick quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. And just so that we avoid unnecessary semantic battles, we allow it. But the reality of the situation is, the man in Christ is not supposed to need revival every two weeks, every three weeks. It is possible to live perpetually in the fullness of the consciousness of the provisions of God in your life. It is possible. How many of you believe it's possible? <laughs> that there are special seasons of devotion where you just, maybe there is a new assignment. Not that every two months you are trying to get your prayer life back on track or you need a fresh teaching on consecration or something like that. You know, so listen, it is possible to get there and stay there. Not only is it possible, that's God's plan for your life. What I am saying, maybe 1% of believers know it. Because it is so normal for believers to struggle every now and then. The fact that it is popular doesn't mean it's God's will or it's God's plan. We have become so used to it. But it's not normal. It's not right. And sometimes it even feels like you're trying to do everything right. You know. One great gospel artist did a five-day program. And when we don't say, ah, we are sorry, we can't find eh? Eh? <laughs> Excuse me. One day I was supposed to go out. It was 2010. Pastor Mike was with me. You know, he wasn't Pastor Mike then. It was just Mike, you know. Um, we were going for a program in the chapel. And someone was cracking jokes and we, and we were laughing. My stomach hurt from laughing. And we got into the service. It's very unlike me. But from the gates, from the door. I was still laughing, we were still laughing, and you know, we we're all 
spiritual leader. So we're walking straight to the front, through the house, just laughing. And then as we got there, it wasn't up to two minutes when I stood. The person in charge of the program said, um, I have a nudge to give you the mic to lead. And, you know, and we had just been laughing. So I picked the mic. I said, are you ready? They said, yes. I said, there is someone at the back wearing a purple shirt. In your pocket, there is an inhaler. The Lord said, you will never need it again. <laughs> you know? And so all of them were looking at me like, ah, how do you switch like that? That's what I'm about to teach you. I don't know if you're interested. Hallelujah. How do you switch? Sometimes it takes discernment. You can live with me and not know I'm extraordinary. (laughs) But you see, a general is a general, whether he's wearing his uniform or not. (laughs) Forget, power is power. Whether you have patting on your hair or not. (laughs) Just for example. (laughs) Hallelujah. It's not by Afro. It's not by... Are you getting me? You're not something. (laughs) I want to teach you how to have a consistent flow of power. Like I said, some people wake up on the wrong side of the bed. You know, tell me, isn't it true, that some days your devotion is just like, ha, as if heaven is kissing the earth in your room, you know, and angels are around, you know, and you feel like you are floating, your leg is not touching the ground, and some days it's just dry. And it's almost as if you can imagine the angels saying, Do quick, make quick, go <laughs> this, this prayer go kill us. I know we have eternal life. I know we're meant to live forever, but <laughs> hallelujah. How is it that you can have a consistent walk with God? You can be consistent. Are you listening to me? You can be consistent. And you know what God wants to do for many of you? You have relied on your hair like something. And it turns out that in the darkest moment of your life, when your hair is cut, and you pray to God, hopefully you won't be foolish enough to ask for just one chance. And you place your hands on that pillar without hair. The greatest demonstration of power in your life can happen at that moment. Alas, it was never really about the hair. Are you listening to me? But sometimes we have become so dependent on structure and systems. And so, if the lightning does not move in this direction, God is not moving in this meeting. Oh, I'm in trouble. Why is my hand not tingling? Maybe the healing anointing is not working. There are things to learn if we'll be consistent in the flow of power. That's what I want to teach you. Turn your Bible, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7. It's a very simple but resounding text. I want you to read it with conviction and from your spirit. Are you there? Come on, I said, are you there? Everybody, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7. Read as loud as you can. One, two, go. Read it again, one, two, go. Read it again, one, two, go. 
analyze it one to go for I walk by faith and not by sight say it one more time for I walk by faith and not by sight hallelujah listen in the school of spiritual maturity you come to a point where you realize that there is sight beyond what your eyes can see and hearing beyond what your ears can hear and there is something to touch beyond what your physical hands can touch for we walk by faith and not by sight this is the beginning of spiritual maturity I walk by faith and not by sight thank God for the times that I feel God but I don't have to are you listening to me let me tell you something what I am saying would take proper mind renewal for you to come to a point where in your Christian devotion you always allow your feelings catch up. You move with the word and allow your feelings catch up. You move that when you stand to pray in the morning you are not looking for feelings you are not looking for sensations you are looking, you know what the Bible says, for he is a rewarder of those who do what? Uh-huh. That's a conviction. We walk by faith and not by sight. It's a training. It's a conviction. I walk by faith and not by sight. Thank God for the feeling. It's sweet. Trust me, I know it. I felt almost any, all the sensations, heat, cold, electricity, I, I, I felt all. <laughs> but some of the most phenomenal demonstrations of power in my ministry happened when I didn't feel anything. <laughs> For we walk by faith and not by what? Say it again. Personalize it. You see, 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 8 describes your Christian devotion. It says, whom having not seen, ye love. That's Christianity. That's Christian faith. That though you've never seen God before, you've, you fell in love with him. I don't have to see him to know that he exists. Ah, oh, this is the paradox of Christianity. It breaks all the laws of science. You believe. You know because you believe. Believing is seeing. <laughs> Did you hear what I said? I said believing is seeing. It says, whom having not seen, ye love, though now you see him not, yet believing, you rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Not only do you not see him and believe, you even act excited, enjoying a vital relationship with a being you've never seen. You are in love with him. And you are rejoicing with joy unspeakable. Joy that cannot be put to words. You know, have you seen someone so joyful? Have you seen someone you try to, you, to get the person to explain why the person is excited? And the person needs time, like, to calm down from the shouting and the rejoicing. And the person is like, ah. <laughs> you know, you know. And they just imagine, you're saying, oh, why are you excited? And the person is like, <laughs> I just love Jesus. <laughs> Even some spiritual people will be like, okay, is that it? <laughs> Joy unspeakable and full of glory. This is a vibrant Christian life without sensual evidence. 
So you can, God's design is joy inexpressible even though you've not seen anything. You've not seen anyone. Hallelujah. This will really deliver you if you learn it. And that's why we must become proper students of the word so that we can study contextually. Let me tell you this. Strictly speaking, are you aware that Acts 1.8 was not talking to you? <laughs> Listen, there is a sense in which or to which we are witnesses of God. When it says you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me. But strictly in that context, it doesn't mean or say what you think it means and it says. Who is a witness? I mean, dictionary meaning. Just check it. To witness is to see, hear, and know by personal experience or perception. I've given this illustration hilariously many times. Just imagine they bring you as a witness in court. And they ask you one simple question. Did the BRT guy kill that lady? And you say no. How do you know? He's my friend. He can't do such a thing. He's my friend. Mm -mm. Were you there? No. What do you think will happen to you in that court? They may arrest you for contempt. Is that what it's called? You, you, are, mocking, you are mocking the court. You think we're joking here? He's my guy. He can't do such a thing. We have been friends from childhood. Why would the court be annoyed? Because for you to stand as a witness, you must have seen or heard or known by personal experience or perception. So now, when you are witnesses of the resurrection of Jesus, it means you saw him die and you saw him rise. Question, did you see him? <laughs> but did the disciples see him? It is in that sense that they are witnesses. Come on. That's why the book of Acts starts by telling you this that he showed himself alive with many infallible proofs. Someone like Tim, um, that, the, what we call, who we nicknamed the Doubting Thomas said, I will never believe until I put my hand inside his wound. <laughs> he said, I won't believe it until I put my hand. And then Jesus appeared and said, Thomas, come. Feel me. Just imagine Thomas touched him and Jesus said, Show, show you the film, Just for example. Maybe that's where he started. <laughs> he, Jesus said, Do you have food? Because listen, even in Hollywood, <laughs> ghosts can slap someone, but ghosts cannot eat. <laughs> So even feeling was not, was not going to be enough. He said, do you have food? Bring it. He ate with them. And he was with them for 40 days. So it was not a vision. It wasn't fluke. Let me tell you something. Even in the laws of hallucination, it can happen to many people at the same time. So at, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, it says at a particular instance, 500 people saw him at the same time. It wasn't hallucination. They were not hallucinating. They were witnesses. But you know what the Bible says? After Thomas had felt him, 
he was convinced. He said, my Lord and my God. And then Jesus said this to him, John chapter 20, verse 29. He said, Thomas, because you have seen me, you believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. This is Christianity. Blessed are those who have not what? But yet, blessed are those who have not. Or yet, every one of us had one freak. Spiricoco in the university who would tell you grandiose stories of how angels will walk into his room. Oh, am I describing myself? Wait. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Wait, wait, wait. Let me start again. <laughs> well, let me give an example. <laughs> People do pass me, I'm telling you. <laughs> but, you know, there was someone who said, days ago, the Holy Spirit walked into my room. Jesus has walked into my room before. The difference between the Holy Spirit and Jesus is hairstyle. Have you heard things like that? Ah, I'm telling you. I can't make this up. He said, Holy Spirit has white hair. Jesus' hair is brown. I'm not joking. That is hairstyle. So like, I was still like, okay, okay, okay. Then he now said, then recently, God the Father. <laughs> now came into his room. Ha! See, you will, hear, you will hear testimonies like this. You'll be intimidated. That, ah. <laughs> Let me tell you something. When God called me, I knew God called me. But it was a strong inner witness with many signs and evidence. But guess what? I didn't have a long vision. I didn't fall into a trance. In fact, I've had angelic encounters, but not to initiate the call to ministry. Are you getting what I'm saying? I, I just had a sense, a strong sense. The most spectacular at the beginning stages was... One morning I woke up because I knew God had called me. When do we start? And I just felt it was as if they dropped a coin. Like my head was a piggy bank and they dropped the coin. And as soon as the coin dropped here, I knew 11, 11, 12 was the time to start. Yeah. But that one still seems um, deep. But come and hear people. <laughs> come on. Ah. You say, I was in my school reading my book. I heard the tap on my back. Bah. The angel says, stand up, follow me. <laughs> and he took me to a mountain. And I saw the nations of the world. And people, I don't want to say what came to my mind. But, you know, I'm, uh, let me use an example. And I'm not saying these things are wrong. I'm saying this for an example. You have to understand, my first pastor growing up was Bishop Oedipo. Do you know the way God called Bishop Oedipo? 18-hour vision. Do you know what it means to be knocked out for 18 hours? And you're just seeing people tattered and battered and shattered and brutal, you know, or something. Many tad, you know. And then God said, the hour has come. Ah, that's called now. <laughs> you understand me? <laughs> Not that you just say, God has called you. How do you know? I sense it. Ah, I did. They're like, 
God, I know, but really. <laughs> I mean, look at what God is doing through our ministry. To think that it wasn't as if I was taken up to the third heavens, you know, or to a realm from which I was seeing the globe beneath or something like that, and I saw a light in Lagos, and the Lord said, you know, and then the light started spreading. If it makes sense. Do you understand? But it didn't happen. So listen, you come to a point of maturity when you understand all of that is wonderful and beautiful. But with or without it, I still have an authentic call. Listen, the one who has authentic, spectacular visions is not, is not superior to the one who doesn't. In fact, the one who had more spectacular visions might have been weaker in faith. He might have been weaker in faith because the spectacular visions might be proof that he needed more convincing. Why did Peter see a trance three times? I'm asking, I'm giving Bible example. Do you understand? I'm not saying everybody who had that, you know, was a doubter, but Peter saw that trance three times because he was in unbelief. He needed persuasion. And then you, who has been walking with God, you know what? When two people are close, I just need to give you eye. You understand what I'm saying? But when you are not close, you know, I told a friend of mine something. I forgot to tell him it was private. So someone else was there some days later and he was trying to say it. So I was giving him eye. I was going, oh God. Do you know some people don't understand simple? So I was giving him eye. Then I said, eh? 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 I said, oh, Zomia, say what you're saying. Say what you're saying. <laughs> eh? Eh? Oh, God. <laughs> Hallelujah. But you see, some people, you know, just from your demeanor, they know. That's how it's meant to be. So thank God for the people with spectacular encounters. Those who have seen angels, good. Those who have not, guess what? The Bible says, he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. You don't need to see them to know. His word said, he shall give his angels charge over you. The word is your sight. Hallelujah. If you've seen it in the word, you've seen it. If you've seen it in the word, it's okay. Listen, I've taught on angels. I want you to expect it, but I don't want you to be limited if you don't see it. they not ministering spirit sent forth to minister for those who are heirs of salvation they are, they, are, they are there for you whether you see them or not they are there they are there they are there so if you don't have the encounters you have the word <laughs> and a word encounter is encounter enough I say that again a word encounter is encounter enough are you listening to me? The psalmist said, 119 verse 105. He says, your word is lamp to my feet 
and light to my path. And so there are three major areas where you must learn to walk by faith and not by sight. Actually, in every aspect of your walk with God, this applies. But I just want to narrow down to three areas. I will sprinkle on the first two a bit, then I'll move to the major discussion of the day. The three areas I want to touch on is salvation, miracles, and devotion. Salvation, miracles, and devotion. When it comes to salvation, we walk by faith and not by sight. It's not as if when you get saved, you receive a debit alert. It doesn't come with, I mean, sorry, a credit alert. God forbid, it can't can't be debit. (laughs) It's not as if you receive a credit alert. You don't get taller. Your skin doesn't get lighter. You know, nothing spectacular happens. You just believe. You receive. Some of you might speak in tongues immediately. Some of you may not. You ought to, but if the person who was ministering to you did not explain to you, you just might not. At least if you speak in tongues, that's something to hold on to. But if you don't, you just believe in your heart, the Lord Jesus, confess with your mouth that God raised him from the dead and you shall be saved. That's it. For with the heart, man believes unto righteousness. With the mouth, confession is made unto eternal. That's, that's what the Bible says. But in this world, there are two extremes. There are people who think they are saved and are not. And there are people who are not sure they are saved and they are. You have to understand, the fact that you lack assurance of salvation doesn't mean you are, you are not saved. <laughs> it just means you will not enjoy your work with God. <laughs> you will just be suffering. I have made you too small, God. Say, why? How? <laughs> Do you understand? You just, you just suffer. Someone hilariously said years ago, you see, even the people who are de- debating eternal salvation, whether you believe or not, when the rapture comes, you will still be saved. But then there is another extreme. Have you gone to evangelize to people before? And you ask them a simple question. Are you born again? And they say, oh, well, I'm a good person. If Jesus comes now, where will you go? Well, I'm a good person. I give arms, you know. I I don't feel like a nice person like myself will go to hell. I mean, look at people who have done great for society. Do you, I mean, just look at, do you think that someone like Michael Jackson now, for instance, after all he has done? You know, some will even say, how many pastors <laughs> have given to the poor like that man? Charity is not the power of God unto salvation. Do you understand what I'm saying? You must have the humility to know what must a man do to be saved. It's not about emotions. It's not about sentiments. Have you noticed in every burial, you have never gone to a burial where people are honest and say, this man was a wicked man. (laughs) Every burial you go to, we know he's in a better place. Ah, ah! Why is everybody in a better place? How would you notice? If we always know he's in a better place, everybody will lie. <laughs> no, tell me you have not, it has not crossed your mind before. I know you are in the mood, you are crying because every death is a loss, one way or the other. 
But have you been stunned by the testimony of some people that, ah? <laughs> Say, let's not take this too far. <laughs> let's not. He tried, but ah. Hallelujah. You know, so it, it's not really about how nice you are, how sweet you are. You see, this is the compassion with which, with which Paul wrote Romans chapter 10. You see, and I can relate to it because I've seen very good people practicing maybe other religions, for instance, doing their best, but their best will never be good enough. And so he says, my heart desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they may be saved. My heart desire and prayer to God for Muslims is that they, they may be saved. And listen, no amount of desire to be politically correct will change the truth. Are you getting what I'm saying? Listen, we can, we can advocate for a peaceful coexistence of people of different faith in a society. That's different from the extreme, you know, teaching that some people have that, you know, they now say we are all serving the same God. No, we cannot. It's not even logically true. And every religion in the world assumes exclusivity of truth. Check it. If we are honest, every religion in the world assumes exclusivity of truth. If one says God has no sons, Christianity says Jesus is the son of God. That's already, do you understand? That one is big enough. But I can love you. I can walk with you and not make you feel funny. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's a totally different thing. My heart desire and prayer to God for Israel is they may be saved. For I bear record that they have a zeal for God. Ah, you can be zealous for God. And be in error. The people who killed Jesus thought they were pleasing God. Are you listening to me? Many people have been zealous and in error. You can have great zeal and be in error. You can feel that you are saved and not be. Remember the guy in Luke 18? He came to the temple bragging. And I said, Lord, I thank you that I am not like these guys, sinners. Me, I pay my tithe, fast twice a week. You know, and Jesus said, he left that place condemned. And the order was justified. You can feel saved and not be saved. Because assurance of salvation is not a feeling. Are you listening to me? Assurance of salvation is not what? On the other hand, you can feel unsaved and be saved. There is none of you here that has not felt unsaved before. <laughs> none. None. And these are things that must be taught. Because in the eyes of the prodigal son, there is no way his father will accept him back. The reason he stayed back even after he was poor and eating with pigs is because there is no way his father will accept him back. But guess what? His father not, never saw him as anything different from his son. 
and he was just there suffering, convinced that his father is angry and his father will not receive him. Thank God he decided to at least try. Even if you won't accept me as a son, can I be a servant? So what made him go back was this. Even my father's servants are enjoying more than me. Let me go and apply for servitude. That's what made him go back. And then much to his surprise, when the father saw him from afar, he ran towards him and hugged him. Listen, this is many people's Christian experience acted out in the world. Acted out in the world. I know you made a mistake. I know maybe you were even in sin for a while and you are ashamed that you, listen, you ought to be ashamed. You ought to be sad. If you are not sad, you don't feel guilty at all, we should check. Maybe you were never saved in the first place. I'm telling you. There is something we call gutsy guilt. Do you understand what I'm saying? Where on one hand, you feel guilty because what you've, did, what you've done is inconsistent with who you are in Christ. But at the same time, you have got to say, it is for times like this that Christ died. I write unto you, little children, that you sin not, but if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. 1 John chapter 2, verse 1 and 2. Are you getting what I'm saying? I write unto you that you sin not. So this is not an encouragement to sin. But if you do, we have an advocate. You can feel unsaved and in fact be saved. And so in salvation, you must learn to put the word of God above your feelings. You must learn. You must learn. Because feeling is not the power of God unto salvation. <laughs> it's not a feeling. You can feel saved and not be saved. You know, Jesus told the Jews, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. They said, set you free? Make you free? We've never been in bondage. <laughs> We've never been in bondage. The Jews are free. We've never been in bondage. And Jesus said, anyone who is a servant to sin is a slave to sin. They thought they were free. They were not. You can be in bondage and not know. Hallelujah. And you can be free and not know. You can be free and not know. Any free person in the house. Yeah. Hallelujah. How do you know you are free? Because you feel it. <laughs> How do you know you are free? What's the basis for your assurance? The word of God. Hallelujah. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him, not whosoever feels him in the room, whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Any believer in the house tonight? Yeah. Hallelujah. This is how we fight our battles. Conviction of God's word. I'm not going to really spend time on the miracle part because, I mean, it's a, it's a long discussion. But turn your Bibles to Mark chapter 11. Mark chapter 11, verse 24. Open as fast as you can. Are you learning anything? will never be the same again after this. Some of you can sense it already. Never be the same again. Imagine you learned this early in your Christian journey. But well, 
better late than never. <laughs> you will arm yourself with this truth and war with it. Are you in Mark chapter 11 verse 24? Read together one, two, go. Listen, let me tell you what you did not read. Did you read? Therefore I say unto you, what things whoever you when you pray, you shall receive. Is that what you said? What did he say? No, you're missing a point. I'm using NKJV. Okay, let me use KJV. Did he say, what, therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire, when you pray, you shall have them. What did I omit? <laughs> you must believe. You must believe. Believing is seeing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Believing is seeing. Whosoever shall say to this mountain, be removed, be cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, he shall have what he says. I can teach on and on about this. Let me tell you something. Casting out devils, for instance, can be dramatic and it may not be dramatic. Are you listening to me? I know you like action. <laughs> but this is what the word of God says. These signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils. The word of God is more powerful than experience. Thank you, sir. If I say go, you are gone. <laughs> Do you understand what I'm saying? If I say go, so... There are times, literally, when I see the demon is trying to act drama, I just turn my back and walk away. You can't stay. You can't stay. There was a time, years ago, I was casting this demon. The demon wanted to tell us the history of the whole, there's nothing he didn't say. Who is in hell, who is in heaven, and all those kind of loquacious demons. And some people who lack discernment, who sit and start taking notes. That's how religion starts. <laughs> That's how religion starts. You heard from demons. Demons are teaching you. When the Bible says to the end that to principalities and powers may be made known by the church, we are the ones to teach them. We are the ones to teach. Hallelujah. I, when we spend, after some time, I just walked away from the room. I said, go, you are gone. Hallelujah. So I sat in a rural office. You know, I saw it might not be this dramatic for everybody. I saw a vision of angels carrying the demon down. <laughs> so, just then, Someone who was in that room now came to me and said, Oh, the guy is back. You know, I already knew. Once I say go, I learned this from Pastor Adeboye in 2007. He says, If people are gathering around, he will just say, If you want me to be involved, two conditions. Number one, I must pray first. Because you know, there's a way people can scatter your prayer. After you have already prayed, you will not start their drama. He said, I must pray first. And number two, no matter the drama, I'm going. 
purpose, I say go. The word of God cannot lie. Hallelujah. The word of God cannot lie. I say go, you're saying no. You want to start in Nollywood. And I say, where are you from? What do you do? <laughs> you know? I, I, I ain't got time for that. <laughs> do you understand? And of course, you know now, I'm the wife of Lucifer. Every, who is Lucifer's wife? Let's know. Everybody is wife of Lucifer. <laughs> you want to ask lying spirits question? <laughs> you want to ask lying spirit question? <laughs> eh? Hallelujah. I mean, listen, I hold on to these things even for the good part and the bad part. So there are some times, there are some things that sound staring. You know, years ago, when a certain environment, the demon said, on this ground, only Oyedeko and Imanelirian can cast me out. Now, it sounded nice. But the Bible says, this sign shall follow them that believe. I have a clue what the demon was trying to say, but it's still wrong. Are you getting what I'm saying? So some brothers, after the experience, carried me aside and said, Sir, the demon said you paid the price. <laughs> Imagine. Say, what price? I said, are you all right? <laughs> I said, I say, are you all right? You are, the demon said I paid price. So you, you would ask the demon now. These signs shall follow them that believe. In my name! That's the price I paid. I believed it. 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 Come on, are you with me? What things soever you desire when you pray. Let me rush so I can teach you some things. You know, some of you need to learn it. Sometimes, I'll, I'll teach you some things. We're so used to the flow of the Spirit. You know, in this ministry, we flow and, you know, spectacular things happen. And you must be open to the Spirit moving anyhow He wants to. If the Spirit touches you and you feel frail, fall, that's okay. Roll on the floor. You're not forming for anybody. But for you, because it was not spectacular to think that you didn't receive, you are cheating yourself. Are you getting what I'm saying? I'm me. Do you understand? I've, let me tell you. Can I say it respectfully? I've be, I'm young, but I'm old. <laughs> the things of the spirits. I did see. Do you understand? So I'm not really moved by. You, you get what I'm saying? I want you to respond to God. If you if you felt like falling and you don't, you're foolish. And if you didn't feel like falling and you stood and you are feeling sad, is it for you? Is it for you once? <laughs> I can wreck you. <laughs> I swear. I... <laughs> Do you understand what I'm saying? Because listen. Some people, maybe you need the healing now. You know, 
Some people, maybe we need a healing now. I say, it's done. You know? <laughs> are you listening to me? It's done. And there are some things that will be lost if you don't learn this thing. Because even when it's made based on feeling. <laughs> okay, let's just move. Let's talk about devotion. This is what I really want you to learn. Hallelujah. You know Psalm 23, don't you? Let's make the recitation together. Verse 1, everybody. The Lord is my shepherd. Uh-huh, what does he say next? He makes me... Uh-huh. 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 For his name's sake, yeah? This is all the sweet stuff. This is, this is the picture of the expectation of the average charismatic. This is how you know that God is guiding me. God is present. You know, still waters. You know, he restores my soul. You know, green pastures. All those nice things. That's how I know the Lord is my shepherd. And that's how I know he's present. The next thing he says, even though. Are you in church tonight? He says, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Thank God for green pastoral experiences. Thank God for being led by the still waters. Thank God for restoring my soul and all those sweet emotional stuff. But yay, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Thou art with me. Even there, you are with me. Because it's dark doesn't mean it's not there. Because there's trouble around doesn't mean it's not there. Because it's tough doesn't mean you're not in the will of God. So listen, you must learn to balance both experiences. That sometimes in your walk with God, it seems rosy. Cream pastures, still waters, and you just feel restored. But sometimes, now you're walking through the valley of the shadow of death. Listen, it's scary all around. But he says, I will not be afraid. I ought to be scared, but I will not be scared. Why? Because you are with me. It doesn't look like it. It doesn't look like it. I mean, based on normal logical thinking, if God is with me, I shouldn't be here. But where I am now? But he's with me. I will fear no evil. And you know what? He says he prepares a table before me in the presence. Are you getting what I'm saying? I know you would rather have all your enemies eliminated. Die, 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 die. But the reason why you insist on all of them dying is because you think they are so powerful, they need to die for you to have peace. He prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. He anoints my head with oil. My cup runs over. Listen, so even in the trouble, troublesome, turbulent situations of my life, I'm still overflowing with oil. It 
is not because I am backslidden. You know, some people, they are wondering, why did I lose my car? Why did I lose my job? And what happened to my oil? In all of that, my cup runs over. Surely, goodness and mercies follow me. The fact that goodness and mercies are following me doesn't mean you won't walk through the valley of the shadow of death. What makes goodness and mercies follow you is that God is following you. He's with me all the days of my life. When it's rosy and when it's not. When it's tough and when it's not. He's with me. He said, lo, I'm with you always. Even to the end of the age. This is maturity. You embrace the word of God. Not feelings. Not feelings. The truth of God's word. Your rod and staff comfort me. Haya tando ropataya. Kembele mantongre sabai. Hey, maybe God made me preach this word for someone here. Maybe there is one person here who is going through stuff. And you've been asking, where is God? He said, his rod and his staff comfort you. Hey! Your rod and your staff. Do you believe the word of God? Please be seated. Let me try and bring this to a close. Isaiah said something similar in Isaiah chapter 50 verse 10. In Isaiah 50 verse 10, it says, Who amongst you fears God? Who obeys the voice of his servants? Who walks in darkness and has no light? Now, this looks like an oxymoron. How do you fear God, obey his voice, and then you're walking in darkness where there is no light? I know we are the light of the world. This is context here. You know, it's talking about a particular context, a situation in your life where it just seems like there's darkness around. He says, you're walking in darkness and there is no light. He said, let him trust in the name of the Lord and rely upon his God. So there is darkness. The environment looks conflicting to your faith. But he said, trust in your God. It's dark around. Yeah. Yeah. The light is inside you. It doesn't matter what your environment looks like. You have all the light you need. Hallelujah. He says, let him trust in his God. The next verse will surprise you. He says, look at all you who kindle a fire. You know, some people are so used to sensationalism that when there is no spiritual fire, they go and kindle something counterfeit. Some people who can't wait for God, who can't wait for a miracle, who can't trust. God is too slow. You go and look for magic. Or because... You think it always has to be spectacular. Everybody looks like a man of God to you. You enter trouble. You go to a herbalist who has a church. And there are many of them today. Because you couldn't wait. He says you kindle a fire and you encircle yourself with sparks. He says walk in the light of your fire. And in the sparks you have kindled. This you shall have from my hand. You shall lie down in torments. Sometimes the environment will look contradictory, but never forget, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, what does he say? 
So I just want to itemize some points. When I don't feel close to God, what do I do? Number one, I get full of the word of God. You know, every time I don't feel close to God, it is proof of lasciviousness. You see, apart from the common definition and understanding of lasciviousness, lasciviousness is also an intense dependence on feelings. And you find yourself in that situation when your word bank is empty. Get on a word diet. Listen, if I meditate on the fact that he has given angels charge over me, I will know it enough to believe it whether I see them or not. So I need a season of emphasis of the scriptures. If I do one chapter normally, in that season I have to do ten. That's how it works. Psalm 119 verse 89. Forever, O Lord, your word is settled. Do you believe that? Settled. If you said it is settled. Number two thing you must do, because time is fast spent. You must confess the word of God. Confess the word of God. Would you like to practice it today? Let me tell you this. This will change your life. There's a reason why in all the spheres of the manifestation of this teaching, all the arenas, you know, where you can manifest this teaching, you know, I'm talking about salvation, miracles, and devotion. You have to talk. I wish I had more time to dwell on that. You have to practice it. A man of the spirit is talkative. Did you hear what I said? A man of God must do a lot of talking. I'm not talking about two people. I'm talking about to himself and to God. Talk. Talk. So when you wake up and God seems far away, just say this. Oh Lord, I thank you. Great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. I thank you for the incarnation, how you came just to die for me. You died my death. On the third day, you rose again. You were risen for my justification. And your word says, everyone who believes in you shall not perish, but have everlasting life. I have everlasting life. And I thank you that because you are the right hand of God exalted, you have shed forth this which you now see and hear. I have the Holy Spirit living and in me because I have the Holy Spirit. Oh, I'm going to have a vibrant Christian life. I will never be ordinary. You said, "Lo, I'm with you always. Even to the end of the age, you are with me. You are with me. Even today, as I step out today, I'm conscious of your presence, conscious of the power of your spirit, conscious of what I carry, of who I am. I am the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Listen, when you do that, your, your feelings will catch up. We say, <laughs> You're a minister of the gospel. Let me tell you something. If you don't learn this, let me ask you this. Have you fasted three days or more and still felt empty? <laughs> have you 
prepared for a meeting, you were full of the spirit in the house. When you now climb, <laughs> we're just like, ah. It's as if they pour you ice water. If you don't know this thing, you will, you, <laughs> you will see yourself. Oh. The devil will play games with you. He must learn to get your feelings to catch up. Let me say something. God blessed me with two people who shaped my early Christian work. Bishop Oedeko and Pastor Chris Oyakilome. They are very different. Those of you who know Bishop David Oedeko, you, if you have attended that church 30 years, you, you probably have not seen one person fall under the anointing. Listen, I attended that church since 1995. <laughs> Do you understand? I've seen it happen only once. But the miracles there, <laughs> the, the miracles there, you can't joke with it. <laughs> the man laid down on someone with elephantiasis, the legs started to shrink. The person didn't fall down, but the leg shrunk. Then there is Pastor Chris. Both of them have healing miracles, have testimonies, have great dimensions of faith. One seems more dramatic. Do you understand what I'm saying? Now, just imagine you followed someone like Pastor Benny Hinn. With due respect, you know, the atmosphere has to be set. Do you understand? Now, thank God the keyboard is playing. I'm sure you know with or without the keyboard I can minister, have you? Know, you know, you know, be... <laughs> you know, but sometimes the atmosphere has to be set and you know, and all of that. But people who belong to the word flow, Bishop Oedeko, God said it that and that settles it. He just he just does what he wants to do. He will preach and go. If you believe it, you receive. And the people who receive, you will hear their testimony. <laughs> you know, I don't have time. Are you getting what I'm saying? So now some people so get so used to waiting for the cloud. You see them, they are ministering and they are waiting. They are waiting for that shift in the atmosphere. <laughs> if you dwell there all the time, you will suffer. I'm sorry. <laughs> Sometimes, you, and then your, your flow in the miraculous will not be consistent. Sometimes, everywhere will just be <laughs> and sometimes everywhere will be dry like desert. So here's what I will tell you. You must learn to stand on both legs. There is the flow in the anointing and then there is a move of faith. Just faith. God said it. I believe it. That settles it. So when I feel the healing anointing great, when I don't, these signs shall follow them that believe. Oh, are you, it's like you're not in church today. Are you getting, if you learn what I'm saying, you must come to a point in your walk with God when you can lay hands on people whether you feel tingly or not. Standing solely on the word of God, the integrity of the word of God. He said it, I believe it. Hallelujah. These signs shall follow them that believe. In my name, they shall cast out devils. They will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Do you believe that? So when you learn to flow with both, 
You know, the first time I ever stretched my hands, you know, at people. <laughs> you know. Oh, God. I was in a meeting. And I heard the voice of the Lord. He said, I want you to pray for the people. You will wave your hands at them. I said, eh? I said, sir. Sir. <laughs> <laughs> so, 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 I just said, I just said some things I can't really remember. Then I said, everybody close your eyes. So I said, as I raised, you know, so I was like, Lord, where is it now? I don't feel anything. So, after a while, it was getting ridiculous. It was like punishment. Everybody was standing with their eyes closed. So I just raised my hand. As I raised it up, before I brought it down, I felt heavy. That was the first time. And as I brought it down, you know, there was an eruption. We had 110 instant miracles in that meeting. 110. Sometimes, if you don't obey God, whether you feel like it or not, people will suffer. You know, there's one of us here who was who shared a testimony with me just this afternoon. I've told you we're going to share more testimonies in this ministry because a lot happens that you may not know. She was in a hair salon, and the Lord said, "Pray for that girl." Ha! Someone I don't know. So she was waiting for conversation starter. It didn't happen. She went out, came back went out came back so just eventually just develop courage don't worry it's a good thing you know people have devotion alarms are going off it's a good thing it makes me happy as a pastor you know she just went back and said sorry can i just pray for you and you must have felt weird prayed for her guess what the lady had cancer and after such a long time her friend came to church and when she heard um, have, um, she was going to celebration church, she said, please look for this lady. She does not know. I had cancer. She prayed for me. All the symptoms died. All the symptoms died. Medically proven. The doctor said no trace. Now, listen. People will suffer. If you are second guessing, you are waiting for the feeling to be right. You are, it, it, people will suffer. People will suffer. You must learn to flow with God. Learn to flow. See, if you want to do great for God, learn not to be embarrassed. <laughs> learn not to be embarrassed. Learn not to be embarrassed. Do you know sometimes in some meetings, someone can be on a wheelchair now. And then the man of God wants to pray for the person, but because the crowd is untrained, instead of joining their faith, even as the man is approaching the person, he will be like, ah, then, then instead of you joining your faith and praying, you're like, will it happen? Will it not happen? Listen, this is not a game. Someone is sick. And the power of Jesus can heal that person. Get over yourself. And if the person was bold enough to pray 
for the person. And supposing it didn't even happen, so what? Well, what if it didn't happen? Doesn't happen. What if it does? And just because of, you know, your funny expectation is just weird. We must open our hearts. You get what I'm saying? To the integrity of the word of God. I, you know. So number one, get full of the word. Number two, confess the word. Number three, I, I, it's important to mention this. You may not be wrong that something is wrong. <laughs> Sometimes you feel far from God, not because God is far, but because you have dulled your senses to the consciousness of his presence by entertaining contradictions. Let me tell you this. It doesn't matter how close you are to God. It doesn't matter how often you confess that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. If you live a life of contradiction, God will feel far away. The Bible says this, and this is why Peter, in teaching us, in 2 Peter chapter 1, from verse 5, he says, But also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue. I know that the just shall live by faith. I know that when you believe, you have eternal life. But listen, add to your faith character. And to virtue, add knowledge. And to knowledge, add self-control. And to self-control, perseverance. And to perseverance, godliness. And godliness, brotherly kindness. And brotherly kindness, love. If you do these things and you are bound, you shall neither be barren or unfruitful in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Sometimes what you feel is unfruitfulness. Because of the contradictions that you have entertained. He says, anyone who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness. And has forgotten that he has been cleansed from his old sins. Meaning your sensitivity to your position in God has been dulled. Now you are walking blind. That's why you can't see God. So it might be a call to consecration. I want to eliminate and eradicate from my life every inconsistency I've entertained. Let me tell you this. It's very important. And maybe the Lord is making me say this for someone here. The Bible says, lay aside every weight everything that does so easily be said then run hallelujah and then don't allow the devil hang it over your face when you have laid it aside there's that too once you lay it aside he <laughs> says submit yourself to God and resist the devil the moment you, it, it doesn't matter how long the contradic contradiction lingered once you say Lord in the name of Jesus I know that I'm better than this. So I lay this aside in the name of Jesus and I walk in a manner consistent with my will. And now in the name of Jesus, I refuse the devil and inroad, taking advantage of this contradiction to attack me or to pin on me a sense of guilt and condemnation. For there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirits. That's how to walk. Spray set and machine gun. <laughs> they say, Who teach you? 
Ah, this church. <laughs> and number four, very simple. You move. You move. You take a step. Did you hear what I said? Yes, take a step of faith. So moving will involve praying. Do you know the devil is so stupid that when you are praying, the devil can be telling you, when last did you pray? <laughs> that you've, you're already praying, but you feel bad that it has been long. Is, is that not why you are praying? You get what I'm saying? So what's the solution? Some of you will now stop praying and say, ha, ah, I feel bad, I'm not praying. <laughs> Hallelujah. You move. You take a bold step. Allow your feelings catch up. I'm telling you. See, I, let me, maybe some of you, your first long prayer experience was maybe reboot camp or something. And before you prayed long like that, you thought if you pray long, your leg will not touch the floor again. You'll be floating. Have you ever prayed longer and you felt, <laughs> maybe you even felt weaker? Has it happened to you before? You just felt normal. But you are not, oh. He says the heartfelt continued prayer. Listen, oh my God. You hold on to the word and allow your feelings to do what? Uh -huh. The heartfelt continued prayer of a righteous man makes power available. If I've prayed, heartfelt and continued, power is available whether I feel it or not. Dynamic in his workings. It says the heartfelt continued prayer of a righteous man prevails. I've prevailed. I'm not the same. You hold on to the word of God. Thank you for listening. We are sure that you have been blessed. For inquiries, reach us on our helpline 0809-996-7000. Blessings.